that's the rule. I don't, I won't get mad. People have wrecked my vehicles. I've wrecked a lot of my vehicles. As long as everybody walks away, insurance will pay for it or I'll replace it. It doesn't matter as long as everybody walks away safe. We introduce regular product giveaways happening here on the Jeep Talk Show every month and sometimes every week. The world's most downloaded Jeep podcast will be giving you, the listener, a chance to win serious gear from major companies that you know, love, and trust. You want a chance to win tires, suspension components, maybe more? Listen every week for your chance to win big. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Chuck. I like making people laugh. That's It's good for my soul. Chuck. Yeah, I don't think so. And Billy. That's a huge deal. So sit back. Strap in. And brace yourself. Well, it's another Tuesday night, uh, about 8 p.m. We're actually getting started a little late, about 8.04 p.m. Central Time. And uh, that's important uh, for you to know the day and the time because that's when you can join our uh, roundtable uh, episode when we record it. Now, we record it on Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Time, but we publish on Wednesday, usually sometime in the morning, around 9 o'clock uh, a.m. So uh, if you're uh, if you're going to work this week uh, prior to uh, Thanksgiving, you can uh, have a little fun because you know you're not going to be doing a damn thing at work uh, all week anyway. Uh, <laughs> so we got a good roundtable for you guys tonight. Uh, and if you haven't been here before, welcome. Uh, if you have been here before, thanks for coming back. Uh, I guess that means you can uh, tolerate it or maybe you're having some fun here. Uh, I'd like to remind everybody that uh, we're going to, uh, uh, that we have four episodes a week now. And uh, one of those episodes, of course, is the roundtable. And if you'd like to join the roundtable, the best way to get a weekly reminder is uh, to uh, sign up for our newsletter over at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Just scroll on down through there and you will see a way to uh, sign up for the newsletter. And of course, you can unsubscribe just as easy as you can subscribe. Now, uh, there's another way that you can find out about what's going on uh, with the uh, the roundtable episode and the show as a whole and, and, and really just communicate with uh, a lot of the people that are uh, in the, uh, the Zoom meeting every week. And that's by joining our Discord server. And uh, that uh, same place, jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, is a great place to go to get the Discord invite as well. And you have to you have to have that invite, but everybody's invited. And if you want to share it with anybody else that's uh, Jeep-minded or likes interacting with people on a texting-type uh, service, uh, a lot of people in the Zoom meeting says the, or say that the Discord server is just like the Zoom meeting, except it's, uh, it's on all the time. And you can usually find somebody there. Some days it's more active than others, but uh, uh, you can usually find uh, somebody talking about Jeeps or something uh, Jeep-specific uh, there on the uh, uh, on the Discord server. It's a lot of fun. Good place to hang out, uh, and uh, you can uh, you can do it while you're uh, while you're at work. Just uh, kind of hit read, go back, and uh, read some when you're not so busy. So if you are new to the roundtable or perhaps new to the Jeep Talk Show, we welcome you. The Roundtable is listeners like you that connect with us on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Central Time. You don't have to be invited. You just need a Zoom meeting link and a password. So we now join the Zoom meeting, which is already in progress. Please keep in mind that what you're about to hear is completely unrehearsed. The opinions may be strong and may or may not reflect the opinion of the Jeep Talk Show, but probably do. 
Good evening, Zoom people. Who is ready for turkey? Hello. Uh, oh. Hey, what's hey. up? <laughs> there we go. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so do you guys think, uh, this is not an official question, but do you guys think that uh, uh, Wendy and uh, Josh really, really dislike the turkey gobble that I play every year, or they're just uh, they're just having fun? They're just having fun. That's Maybe they're I'm just hoping. jealous. <laughs> Is anybody not having turkey this week? <clears throat> I've never had turkey. Great podcasting, oh. raising your hand, Bill. <laughs> that's, that's Bob number two. Well, actually, actually, we're live streaming on uh, Facebook tonight, so uh, there oh, are okay. people out there able to see him raise his hand. So uh, we don't we don't uh, do the the Facebook live that often, but occasionally I'll I'll stick it out there, and I think it helps generate a few things. Uh, we had a couple of comments already about, oh damn, I forgot it's a Zoom meeting tonight. <laughs> anybody, says to- mode. anybody says Tofurky, we'll have to boot him. <laughs> I would prefer a steak, to be honest with you, but that's just me. Yeah, steaks are. Uh, I'm sorry, a good steak is is always preferable. Yeah, absolutely. We don't, we don't do turkey. We do prime rib every year. Oh, there you go. I don't get the hype, and turkey's just way overpriced right now. Why bother? I really enjoy turkey. I mean, uh, I think that's one of my favorite things. Even even uh, when I was a kid, when it was a TV dinner. And we we go we go to uh, Wyatt's cafeteria. I, I know I'm famous for mentioning things that you guys have no earthly idea what it is, like Whataburger, for example, uh, and and of course Bucky's. But I think everybody knows Bucky's now. Uh, but uh, we we would go to Wyatt's cafeteria, and uh, that was my favorite thing to get was uh, a, a turkey and dressing plate. My mom worked at Wyatt. Yeah, it's good once a year. Oh no 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 no! I, I normally have a pre-Thanksgiving turkey. We didn't do it this year though. All right, well, let's get into the questions. You know, I pulled up the, the show notes to put the questions in there, and I got busy doing this other stuff, so I'll just have to go over here and pull them up. So this is a – I know this question is a bit confusing that I sent out into the newsletter. Uh, wheeling standard or automatic transmission? And uh, what I mean by that is, um, you know, Chuck mentioned uh, having to try to wheel a uh, LJ uh, was it LJ or JL? L- yeah, LJ. LJ. Uh, how, trying to wheel an LJ out at the Quadratech um, Tread Lightly 50-50 event uh, just the day before SEMA. And he just he said he didn't know how to wheel in an automatic. And I've uh, my first vehicle was a standard. It wasn't a Jeep. Uh, and so I've driven uh, a, a lot of uh, manual transmission way back when. But uh, I figured it would be more difficult with the footwork uh, on trying to wheel with a uh, with a standard transmission. Uh, but he he literally said he couldn't do it. I didn't think there was that big of a difference. You know, it's like most things you try a little bit, you figure it out, and then you go on. So talking to the guys that maybe have had a standard and an automatic, I'm just curious, what's the difference in, in wheeling? What What is it that the automatic does for you, which I think is the preferred thing for especially rock crawlers? Uh, but uh, what what is the the preferred manual or automatic for off road? Uh, this is Larry John from Central Texas. Go ahead, Larry. Go ahead, Larry. Let's say this is Larry from St. Louis area. I only know manual, although I would like to wheel an automatic every now and then just to see how the other half live. But I only know wheeling with uh with the stick. Anybody here have any uh, knowledge of uh, both wheeling with both? Yeah, I- 
I've done both. Uh, you know, my first Jeep was the XJ. The reason I got an automatic was because it had to be parked outside and on the, the remote start for Chicago winners. But Who are you? Steve from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, when I was out in Arizona, I was out in the um, Sedona area, which is some gorgeous red rock, and went to a place that had TJs at the time and rented a manual trans, and yeah, learned a little bit of it. It was, it was a lot of fun playing around with it, actually. And it kind of worked out because my wife didn't want to drive, didn't know how to drive a manual, so she, so I got to drive the whole time. So very, very this nice. is uh, Bill from Central Texas. So I haven't wheeled both, but I will say wheeling with other people where it's mixed. I think the one thing I notice is that certainly, you know, when the manual guys are are wheeling, um, sometimes you're going too fast for them, or you're going too slow right? Because they're kind of throwing it in the gear and they're just kind of crawling along. And and I noticed in Colorado, there was a lot of, of that when, you know, I'd get a manual either in front of me or, or behind me. And it's just, you know, making it a little bit challenging there just in terms of like the spacing. on. So, so you're saying John was annoying the hell out of you. <laughs> it wasn't just John. No, it wasn't just John. So. <laughs> I, I actually, I like to win a People come up to me and, and be like, wait a minute, that's a manual. So you know, I'm, I like the challenge of the manual. Uh, but to be honest, other than what Bill said about kind of having to pick a gear and stick with it when you're kind of going through that route, it's, it's really not that big of a deal, I found, when I'm dealing with it. It just, just different. kind of, it, it's a little bit different, but if you got the right gearing, let me put it that way. So if you got the right gearing on it, um, and you got the four to one low, especially, you know, you put that, in, a, in any of the gear with four low and you're really not having to do too much footwork you're not dancing on the clutch you're not doing that kind of stuff it just it's just about picking which gear the, sh the hardest part is going to be really like mid hill or mid climb shifting that that gets a little bit of a pain but other than that right i, I found that like even bill was talking about with the uh, 392 the like, the paddles and the ability to manually select kind of what gear you're in is is really nice right so um I I do like to have, have that kind of freedom and capability, but on the other side, after wheeling, it's a lot more fun just driving a manual down a curvy road or whatever than it is an automatic. Yeah, I think uh, it must have been on a Zoom meeting that uh, I was listening to the other day because uh, I record them and then uh, oh, and I forgot I forgot to record this one. Uh, but anyway, um, I was listening to it afterwards, and I think Larry, it was you that said. Uh, something about you were trying to make it up a hill, and uh, you ran out of uh, you ran out of gear before you uh, got up all the way the uh, all the, all the way up the hill. Yeah, we were going up one of the uh, I forget which pass it was, and Kevin in the room here was actually right behind me, and we we're going up the hill, and it's like I should have shifted before we got on that steep climb, and halfway up I ran out. It's actually stalled. I should have shift. I should have downshifted before we went up it. And the reason why you're not uh, uh, not uh, shifting while you're going up the hill is because you might roll back. Well, I, I just don't want to lose momentum, right? So when you when you got you wheeling with the manual, you don't want to push the clutch in because then you take you to losing your momentum and restarting the whole thing. Gotcha. Now you can you can shift fast and do it. I was just trying to see if I can make it because I was about three quarters of the way up. And then it got a little bit steeper on the grade, and that's when I I was hosed. 
Yeah, that's what I was thinking when you guys were talking about that uh, was uh, speed shifting, uh, which I'm sure everybody's done at least once or twice in your lifetime, especially sure. if you had a go-fast car. I try not to shift on a hill if I don't have to. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> I didn't like shifting on an incline, just sitting at a, a, at a stoplight or something, because uh, that's how you find, find people that are too close behind you. So, Kevin, you've got – I know you normally wheel an automatic from that Rubicon, but that YJ you had out there was a manual, right? So there was quite a bit of difference in wheeling the two? Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot different. You got to uh, – you know, watching videos of myself, um, I could see right. I just let the clutch out too fast, and it just broke the tires loose. Where I feel if I was in my automatic, I, I probably would have slowly loaded up, not spun, and just, just crawled. It sounds like the automatic is is uh, easier to control on. Um, uh, well, I, I guess you don't have to worry about pushing the clutch in when you're going up an incline, and you could actually downshift pretty easy if you needed to to get momentum or, or upshift if you were uh, running out of uh, uh, out of uh, the RPM headroom. Yeah. So my my Jeep Jeep's not man uh, not an auto, but I've had other auto cars, and with the manual. You're either sitting or you're moving. You can't feather the pedal and try to just creep up on something unless you've got it geared down low enough to be able to do that. Right. So, <laughs> so I, uh, I kind of do that with mine, but I got the four to one transfer case, so it helps a lot. But um, I, I, don't, I think that you, it opposite a little bit of what you're saying there, Tony. I feel like I have more control with the manual. Um, the difference is I'm kind of like Bill was saying, I'm stuck in a speed. So whenever I select that gear to attack the obstacle or whatever it is, or the, the hill climb, I'm not going to be able to adjust my speed a lot like you could in an automatic because it would shift. So I, I don't think that it's kind of a control thing. I think it's more of just a kind of that, that ease or that flexibility to, to be able to speed up or slow down, you know, on a, once you've started. Mm -hmm. Once you commit to something, uh, you need to commit correctly. Otherwise you're going to have difficulties. Right. And, and then of course that's the learning experience. And then you, you do a better job uh, selecting the right thing next time. Like, like, uh, uh, like Larry was saying, he picked the wrong gear to go up that incline. Yeah. And you, and you gotta have, I feel like Larry and I are both, you've really got to make sure you're set up right. You gotta have the right gears, the right, I mean, it's, it's really important. Um, not just your gear selection, but you've got the right differential gears, you know, you four low and you gotta, you gotta really make sure all of that's there. And you kind of gotta, there's more to think about when you're tackling an obstacle besides just your line. So, and that can be the negative, right? That's why a lot of the competition rock crawlers even use automatics because right. they just want to focus on the line and getting up it and everything else, which automatics is a lot easier from that. But so, uh, what is the, I like the mail. What is the advantage uh, uh, to the uh, to the manual transmission? I I just like having the the ability to select what gear I'm in for for the job kind of thing. I can kind of drag a gear out a little bit more. I don't have to worry about shift points. There's a lot of things, especially in the newer automatics that are computer controlled around shift points and changing tires and doing things like that that I don't have to to really worry about because I've got the manual. Um, but you know, ultimately, I think it's just what do you enjoy, right? What, what kind of makes it, makes it fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, after yeah. all, it's about having fun, right? Right. Yeah, well, so you bring up the, the manual, Tony, on this. So there's someone in the room here who just got a center force clutch in his manual. <laughs> so kind of curious what his thoughts are on that. Cause that's obviously one of the new big, uh, new upgrades for a lot of people with manuals nowadays. 
That's you, Mike. Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, California. Um, yeah, I just got a, that upgrade. I haven't, I have not tested it uh, off-roading just yet. Yeah, I didn't think so. So, um, but yeah, so once I do, then definitely I'll uh, let Jeep Talk Show know the, mm. uh, the feel of that. But as far as on-road, ch- uh, changing it over to the center force clutch, uh, I've noticed that uh, there's really no f- um, finding that friction zone. So w- with the normal clutch, you know, you have to kind of like take your foot off and finding that uh, sweet spot to let go of that uh, clutch and then give it gas. But with the center force clutch, uh, I've noticed that you move your foot uh, a little bit and it's already engaging and I'm I'm already uh, moving forward. So that's what I love, the, uh, I love about it right now. But uh, definitely, I want to test it out off-road and uh, let you guys know about uh, the difference of what I've noticed on off-road. Now, <clears throat> I, I know this might not be a great question for you, Mike, because you, you haven't taken it off-road yet. But I'm, I'm wondering if the advantage, the main advantage to uh, the center force clutch system is the heavy flywheel. Uh, but the, having that spinning mass and, and it being less likely to stall uh, when you do make a mistake. Um, and, but I, I don't think, I mean, I, th- I know that the clutch, the pressure plate is, is heavier duty and it sounds like it acts a little differently. Uh, hopefully that's adjusted properly, although it's, I, th- I think it's an automatic adjustment, uh, pardon the pun. And, but, uh, it, you don't smell any clutch burning, do you? <laughs> it just bothers me that you, there's no feather, there's no, you know, halfway point between engaged and unengaged. Um, no, I haven't smelled anything, you know, um, but <laughs> once I feel it moving, I took my, I take my foot off the clutch and just give it gas. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I've noticed that there's no, uh, it, cause there's even times where I'm slow, I'm slowing down and there's points where if you slow down too much, then it'll start to make that, uh, diesel sound kind of like where it wants to stop. Right. But I've been trying, I've been trying test it where i completely like slow down almost like 10 miles per hour i'm in uh third gear and it's still moving pretty decent so i'm like oh okay so it, it but yeah the uh the flywheel definitely has a lot to do with it where it's uh you know it has a lot more uh friction where you're not uh stalling so uh so that's that's a plus that's definitely a plus and definitely you know but it, it's I'm wondering what's going to be like when I'm actually off-road. Right. So nobody else in here has a, uh, a heavy-duty clutch uh, flywheel from uh, Center Force, do you? Nope. Is everybody planning on getting that though when they got to change their uh, uh, their pressure plate clutch and uh, and flywheel? Eventually. Absolutely. <laughs> That's high on my list of upgrades to get. It's just it's hard to justify it with thirty-five thousand miles on your current clutch. Right. You get 35,000 miles out of your clutch? Damn, that's good. <laughs> Still got the factory clutch in it right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm running the factory one out of mine at 100. Wow. I think having, I think having that 4 to 1 transfer, the, the Rubicon transfer case being so low like that, you, you don't get into the clutch as much when you're, yeah. when you're off-roading. You don't have to really kind of slip it as often, so it kind of saves you from, from burning it up a little bit. I think if I was... Like, you know, Larry, you've got the, what is it, the Sport, or the, what is it, 2 to 1 or 2.7 to 1 or something? Yeah, I something think, like uh, that. I think I probably would be here to mine quite a bit more, because I'm not an expert. 
Yeah, well, when I got the when I got the Jeep it was at fifty five thousand. Uh, I'm at a hundred and seventy thousand now. So I figured, you know, it's like why not get the upgrade? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like going out or anything on you. You just uh, figured it was enough miles. Let's put the uh, put the upgrade in there. Yep. Yeah, I was going out. So I was like, they were asking me, is it going out or anything? Just want, I just want the upgrade. <laughs> Preventative maintenance. Yep. <laughs> It seems the so way I don't have. Go ahead, Tony. I was just going to say it, it really does seem the way to go with the center force uh, clutch system. So I don't have the center force clutch. I have the Exidy uh, performance clutch in my Jeep. And it's performed admirably. Um, and I am not easy on it at all. Uh, I am very rough on my gear including the jeep and the clutch in it and it is not i mean it's still pretty new but i have no complaints about it at all it grabs when it's got a grab it does have a little feather to it it's got a little i can ease into it i don't need to use that as much as i used to maybe because now i have the hand throttle on the shifters so i can control the brake and the clutch while running the throttle with my thumb but um even before that it performed really great when it would grab and go i don't know much about that one is that uh something that uh has been around for a while or no i think it's it's newer in the past few years and was this something that you chose over the center force or no uh Wendy made a mistake one day talking about the only two manuals we have are my TJ and her prelude. And they were talking to her. And a week later, my clutch showed up on the front step. Ah. So I didn't choose it. They choose it for me. They choose you. Choose Yeah, we didn't even know it. We actually didn't know it was coming. Wendy was talking to them and they were, they, but pre-COVID, they actually wanted to come up and film us in the garage putting it in but with covid they couldn't travel right so i ended up putting it in with just doing a little filming and pictures myself but very so. cool very cool all right so uh with a little more information there about uh the uh, the standard wheeling with a standard transmission over an automatic it sounds like it's just uh uh, might give you a little more control, might uh, give you some uh, more challenges, uh, which uh, I guess the really wheeling is, that's what wheeling is about, is uh, uh, facing the cha challenge and uh, uh, figuring out what you need to uh, add to your system to uh, make that uh, challenge uh, easier to accomplish. Um, I was a little late to the conversation. Did anybody talk about the benefits of a manual when going down a steep incline. No, we did. But that, but that makes without a lockout. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a, that's a good thing to point out. Uh, tell us about that, Bob. Um, I well, like we've done red cone. We've done some pretty steep trails out here in the mountains, of Colorado, and I can first four low and just let off, and it will only go so fast. There, the engine won't over rev or anything. It stays very controllable where the people going down in the automatic tend to have to uh, feather their brakes a little bit to control their speed or they'll, or they'll start to slide unless they're now, if your automatic has a gear lockout, so you can make it force it into first and stay there. 
that will help. But you're even then, I think the automatics, at least in my experience, over rev a little bit mm-hmm. when they're forced. Mm-hmm. So the other good thing is you don't burn your brakes when you got a long incline coming out of the mountains. Mm-hmm. Well, if you get brake fade, you can uh, literally get in a, a world of trouble uh, very quick. Uh, what was it? Uh, what's that? Uh, is it Camelback uh, in uh, Moab that uh, the famous, uh, um, not Bronco, I think it was a Blazer that was coming down uh, that. Uh, that uh, Lion's Back. Lion's Back. Thank you. Uh, I guess I'm thinking about Camel's Toe. <laughs> Uh, and uh, they they lost the brakes. I mean, they had brake fade, and then they uh, it, I think they would have done better if they had, had kept it straight. But uh, it uh, sped up and then went off the edge, and uh, they couldn't stop. So uh, yeah, I mean, if you're riding the brakes, those things will heat up, and then they'll the, they'll stop being able to grip, and uh, you may start going faster and faster down that hill, which is which is fun momentarily. <laughs> So, Tony, how does that hill descent that we have work? Is it working the brakes or is it working the trans? I believe I, I don't know, uh, but uh, it felt like braking. It feels like it's braking, uh, uh, turning on various brakes on the uh, on the Gladiator and the 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 LJ JL. Sorry, and that's what it does it, it turns the brakes on. I got a JL same way. Now with uh, the eight speed automatic, uh, it uh, you can move it over to the manual uh, side. And then uh, drop it down in uh, you know whatever the one of the eight gears that you want to uh, put it in, so you should be able to do engine uh, braking as well. But I yeah, haven't probably. tried it, so I don't know if it if it will stay. I would I believe it will. Like if you put it in one uh, the first gear, yeah, I believe It'll it will stay, stay in there. one unless you hold the paddle on. I got paddle shifters on mine. If you hold the right paddle on, it'll it'll go back to automatic. But if it, it stays in, if I pick the gear, it'll gear it'll stay in it. <clears throat> yeah so if you guys well, you do <laughs> yeah if you guys get into a situation where you're speeding up downhill and the brakes don't seem to work uh the emergency brake is not going to be a good choice because that's no. part of the braking system that's already hot the, the rear brakes too probably yeah, yeah. and uh so the thing to do is to get some uh, engine braking going on uh, because right. the engine will only go uh, so fast unless it's being towed by an RV. Right, apparently, RV, yeah. apparently you can get it up to fifty thousand RPM <laughs> before it blows up. Uh, but uh, yeah, the engine braking is is what you want to be able to do. And in honestly, you need to think about this and maybe play with it before you get in trouble, so you know what to do in a panic situation. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure out how to even activate the hill descent. I think you have to be in four low, don't you? Well, that's because you were driving a Renegade for so long. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that had it too, actually. I uh, I believe you're correct. I've only used it on a couple of occasions, and it's it's really cool. But it sounds funny because you hear the brakes uh, just just really grabbing, and it seems like it's not all the brakes. It seems like it it changes tires and stuff, maybe front and back or side to side. I don't know. It's a real yeah. weird sound. It's a damn computer does it <laughs> so so bill heard that sound today whenever he was uh backing out of the graphic shop and uh, didn't put the pin code in <laughs> it, the brakes locked up on him <laughs> yeah no you hear him kicking, it's like kevin was right with me and he was like what the fuck is that I'm like, oh yeah pin code so i'll tell you guys real quick if you don't know uh the taser mini has a firmware upgrade that came out just maybe a week ago and they now allow you to assign a pin code to your uh, JL or JT so that uh, you have 20 seconds to put the pin code in after you've started uh, the, the vehicle. 
Uh, otherwise, the light show will come on and the brakes will lock. And you ain't going nowhere. I mean, I guess you could give it enough gas, but I don't know. It's just not a good situation. And then if you have a, uh, a carjacking or a jeepjacking situation, uh, if you take the if you have the remote on you, as soon as the fob is away from the jeep far enough, uh, it will go into that requesting a pin code. And I think it I think I read that if you slow down, uh, it takes 20 seconds. So uh, hopefully the, the carjacker is is away from you or gives you an opportunity to get away from the carjacker. And then after that 20 seconds, uh, it will not uh, lock up the brakes. It will wait until you get uh, the, the vehicles going about five miles an hour. Then the brakes will lock, and then the uh, light show will come on. And if you guys aren't familiar, light show is basically a wig-wag pattern, various things of all the, the lights that are on the uh, the outside of uh, uh, of the Jeep. So, uh, Every single light, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and Bill, yeah. did you do this because of the post I did in uh, the comment I made in Discord about that? Or did you already know about it before then? I had actually seen a, a video, I think the day before. Oh, okay. Okay. I yeah, I wasn't sure if I was the culprit for uh, ca- causing you uh, distress on trying to move your Jeep without uh, no, putting a pin no. out. I mean, <laughs> you know, just to, to be clear, like, you know, if you unplug the taser, then, you know, it'll it'll start moving again. I mean, basically in order for, you know, when it's locking it up and doing the light show, that's a live function right? in the, in the taser. So, you know, it's more of a nuisance, right? So, I mean, if you, you tuck it up in there and you kind of bury it up in the dash, you know, yeah, somebody could go in and unplug it and get the vehicle moving again, but it's, you know, it's just a nuisance, right? That, you know, maybe we'll, we'll give you some time or maybe they'll just say, screw this, I'm out of here, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, it's kind of a cool little feature, you know, I mean, they're adding different features and capabilities. Some of them are interesting. I think today we were playing with the, the turn, the turn cam thing on there, which is actually getting kind of annoying as you're trying to look at, you know, your GPS maps to, to get to the graphic shop today. Every time I turn on turn signal, it's like, damn it, I can't see the map. Where am I going? So, yeah, my wife really likes that turn signal thing. And uh, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, basically in the uh, the taser mini you can uh, set it so that whenever you uh, engage well that's the problem bill you didn't not, not use your blinkers then you don't have to worry about it but whenever you engage the, the left or right <laughs> blinker the uh, the backup cam will come on uh, one thing i do like about it is though if you go to put it in reverse you can actually turn off the led lights on the bumper so you don't have that glare from the led lights on the the reverse cam now if chuck was here he'd say Oh, you guys and your backup cameras. Real men don't need backup cameras. <laughs> no, that, that's Chris. So. And how do you go? How do you hook, hook up to your hitch then without a backup camera? <laughs> when you tow something. Yeah, well. you wait to smack something. Yep. It's all about wait for your wife to come practice. and guide you back, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Just practice. You Just wait practice. till you hear the bump and Just then you move practice. forward a little. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> If it's spongy, you know you got a new dent in the tailgate. So, yeah. uh, moving on to our next question, that was a, a long question. Uh, so, uh, what do you worry more about when you go off road? Now, I know some of you guys are very experienced, and you probably don't worry anymore. But what do you worry more about: damaging your Jeep, or damaging yourself, or perhaps people that are with you? 
uh, listening to John Lee complain about off-camber situations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you'll, you'll hear some of that. You'll hear some of that on Saturday. It's I'm tough sure. to grow man cry like that. So. Uh, you know, honestly, yeah. pinstriping is the thing I worry about the most because it's, it's a nuisance, right? So, you know, my my Jeep is kind of like part of my family at that point, right? The, at least according to my wife, she thinks it's like a mistress. Um, so, I, it I, I want to say that it's myself or the, like my daughter, she goes with me, you know, worried about them getting hurt, but I don't want that Jeep to get hurt either. Right. That's kind of, it's, there's a lot of money in that thing. So it's a pretty substantial investment. So, you know, there's a, I mean, cause even when uh, we're on the trails, like Bill was just talking about with my off camber fear, when you're not in Colorado and you're in Texas and you're in an off camber situation, you're probably just going to kind of flop. You're not going to roll thousand feet down a hill kind of thing. So, uh, but it still kind of freaks me out because I don't want to flop either. Um, so I, I think it's kind of the, the the correct answer is you know the family or whoever's with you. But yeah, the jeep's up there. That's the thing that always concerns me. And the, even this last time we went to Hidden Falls, uh, I didn't want to do th- some things because I was fearful of damaging the jeep. Uh, not so much getting here, Tony. not so much getting it back home, but uh, just you know just damaging it. And my wife telling me. I knew you were going to damage the Jeep. You were going to tear up something that's nice and new, and we can't have anything nice, you know? <laughs> well, I think a really big – this is Tony from Michigan. I think a really big defining factor is which Jeep are you driving on that day, the one that you daily, or is it your trail beater, your trail rig, you know? Oh, very true, very true. I know when I take the XJ out <clears> – <throat> I don't really care. I kind of plan on taking it home on a trailer. If I don't, that means I didn't push it hard enough where in the JK, I'm just like Steve. I don't even want to get pinstripes. Yeah, if you drive you have 800 miles to get to the ride, you get a, you, you, you can't beat on it too much. Oh. Yeah, I agree. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm yeah, from that's Arizona. I, that's like... Go ahead, Gary. I said that's why I finally don't know what trail I go to. I take a trailer. A trailer to be able to uh, haul my Jeep home because uh, I'm pretty rough on when I go out. I'm I'm known I'm known to break a lot of shit when I go out and stuff. It's kind of a running joke. Everybody asks me, "Oh, what'd you break this week?" When I go back to work and stuff, but it doesn't bother me. I, I know it just means I can upgrade to something better. But investing in a truck that can haul a trailer in my Jeep that was like one of the best investments ever. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> Jim from yeah, my wife doesn't love me enough. <laughs> I wish I would have bought an older Jeep because then I could won't have to worry about it too much. But I bought a brand new one. No, it sucks. I don't want to wreck it. But I do take <laughs> it off road. But I don't want to oh, wreck yeah. anything. I agree. I, I I've been through it off. I had older Jeeps, newer Jeeps. But my wife's same way about the newer Jeep. So I have a yeah off road one. Uh, I, I have several. So but yeah, she doesn't take her Rubicon off roading yet. Yeah. yeah, I was waiting for it yet. <laughs> I did once so, so far, but this is Bob from Colorado, and my standing rule is as long as everybody can walk away, it's all good. Standing, right? <laughs> that's that's the rule. I don't. I won't get mad. People have wrecked my vehicles. I've wrecked a lot of my vehicles. As long as everybody walks away, insurance. We'll pay for it, or I'll replace it. It doesn't matter. 
as long as everybody walks away safe. Yeah, and to answer the question, sitting is okay as long as you can stop the bleeding. <laughs> we we may have made a few runs to the ER after some stupid shenanigans, but for the most part, ambulance rides are rare. I think one would be, be too much for me. Got uh, how did so? Tell me a story, Bob. How did you uh, get somebody? As long as there's no legalities involved in this, that might you know they might uh, uh, statute of limitations hasn't run out or something. How did you actually have somebody go to the the, the the ER, and was it you? Oh, I've been to the ER a few times. Uh, I split my chest in a car accident one time. We went through the ditch and hit the bottom and launched it. Well, we thought we launched it. We didn't actually launch it. We ran into the V at the bottom of the drainage in oh. the wide ditch, and I was in the back, not strapped in, and I hit the passenger seat, went 65 to probably zero uh the doctor thought i was real lucky i split the cartilage from my sternum to my ribs and didn't swing my heart and uh tear my artery right um but no we used to go out so it really started with snowmobiles we dug junk snowmobiles out of the shed that dad had buried in the back of the shed <laughs> when i was a kid and i probably had something to do with that because all the dirt bikes all the three-wheelers and all the snowmobiles disappeared from the farm when i was young and we dug out snowmobiles and we wrecked them we'd bolt them back together weld tie rods go to the junkyard find whatever we could to put them back together and it just continued and carried over to cars we'd get our junk pickups or cars together and we'd end up one weekend all being stupid we'd go out and have a uh, demolition derby in a field nobody cared as long as we didn't wreck a fence and we brought all of the garbage and parts out with us and didn't leave any oil spills nobody cared beyond that so on that uh that wreck that you were involved in uh, from uh the the back seat coming to the front uh was that uh what uh, what ended your uh choir choir singing career is that what changed your voice bob uh, no, I, my voice has always been like this. <laughs> Screaming from having so much fun, I would suspect. <laughs> <laughs> that could be part of it. <laughs> All right. Well, I was just curious because I've heard of, uh, I'd never heard of a situation for uh, uh, having to go to an ER, thankfully, with uh, having to do with Jeep. I guess maybe you're not doing GP stuff enough if you if you don't get at least something. I mean, I've uh, I've injured myself several times working on my Jeep, but nothing that required uh, ER. It was usually duct tape because just because I don't want to stop what I'm doing to go in there and find a band aid that's going to come come off anyway. Yeah, absolutely. They, you know, they, that's what they need to do. They need to come out with some damn Band-Aids that are good enough that you can put on whenever you're working with your hands and they'll stay on. Uh, super glue. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Or, you know <laughs> the duct tape. Yeah. Oh, no, he's right. A dot of super glue on the back of your Band-Aid. Wrap it around your finger if you bust your knuckle or something. Yep. And put a coat of super glue around the edge of the Band-Aid and it will bond the two halves together. It won't come off. Hmm, very nice very nice you can do the same thing with athletic tape if you wrap it around itself and put dots of super glue on it it's there for a long time well it works for scalp injuries like if you like say run your head into something hanging from the ceiling constantly or like, like, a, like, a, 
like a Jeep hardtop or something, just kind of walking into it. Well, so you sound like you've done it multiple times. The one times. Right over the back of shoulder right there. <laughs> uh, John, do you need one of those uh, plastic skull caps that goes inside of your ball cap when you're out there? Well, I kind of, I kind of take the the cousin Eddie approach, right? So as long as it's like over here, not over here, I'm okay. <laughs> all right well let's move on to the next one i was hoping greg would be with us here tonight because he was very vocal about this in the past um so uh if jeep were to build a two-door gladiator you know because of uh, the the beautiful build that uh, greg henderson uh, unofficial uh, use only uh, did for uh, sema uh if uh, jeep were to build a two-door gladi- gladiator should it be called a scrambler well, can I ask a question before first? So I've actually never seen a scrambler or been around one. So basically, is it just like a, one solid tub where there's nothing between the be- the tailgate and then the driver's seat? Yeah, it's like That's a, right. a single like body. Yeah, it's it's like a single body, but it's it's got a bed. It's just not a separate bed like you would like you'd have on a truck or even a gladiator. Right. So essentially, like a tub without the rear seats. Yeah, it's yes. like if you uh, took well, I mean, uh, it's LJ. In. Have you took an LJ added like like a foot to the back of it, but had no rear seats, and it was just a bed, a, a double L LJ. Yeah. Okay, so you can't clearly separate be, the alcohol from the passenger compartment. Then, if you get pulled over, no, no, but it would okay. be a CJ instead, right? Of a a TJ, yeah. yeah. Okay, and I know uh, I, I think Greg and Jimmy, uh, who hadn't been here in a while, I think they both uh, pointed out the same thing. the 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 bed is uh, is not detached uh, on the uh, the scrambler, and it is on the the gladiator, the 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 four door, of course. And in the the fifty uh, fifty uh, JTE uh, build that uh, Greg did, of course, it is uh, uh, detached as well. So. I, I guess it wouldn't be a uh, absolutely absolutely a uh, a scrambler, but I think it. I think the name fits, and uh, not picking on you, Tony, but if they can call the uh, the uh, the French uh, vehicle a renegade, they ought to be able to call the uh, the two door gladiator a uh, a scrambler. I think. Hey, you're not picking on me at all. I sold that thing. <laughs> you know, put a three ninety two in it and call the honcho. Oh man. We I think they should just. They should just bring back Comanche if you're going to do that. Yeah, I think that's a cool. For a two door, two door. Uh, oh yeah, two, or two door got Jeep the gladiator out, so you couldn't use the yeah, gladiator. Well, Comanche so, might offend someone. Well, the Comanche, oh, yeah. the Comanche is really yeah. nice, except you couldn't remove the top, and that's the really cool thing about this uh, two door gladiator is you can remove the top. You can remove the top and the doors, and you really have that that. Uh, Kind of what I think is the real jeeping, uh, pardon pardon me, but jeepiness of of that vehicle. Hey, I knew a guy who took the top off his Comanche. <laughs> I mean, he used a sawzall, but yeah. And you need to reinforce the body when you do that because you're removing some of the structure structure of the uh, supporting structure of the uh, of the XJ, if you if you will. Have we done that yet, Tony? Not only no, but hell no. <laughs> I think I think that if you're gonna if they're gonna bring it back, they should just come up with something new. I mean, nothing says you have to regurgitate an old name brand, right? I mean, you you can pick something new. Like, that was kind of cool. They called the JTE or whatever, but that's uh, Jeep. They do that all the time. I don't think you, I don't think something. 
mean, the rule book that says you have to bring back a new one, right? No, Unless but I think marketing. Yeah, but I think marketing tells them that they have to do that and gives them studies and stuff because it already has that name recognition. Uh, same reason why they the movie uh, places keep keep coming out with sequels instead of coming out with something new. Right. Well, that's just talentless. You can't produce their own ideas. Oh, I think there's lots of great ideas out there, but it's a, it's a gamble. And I, I think Jeep looks at it, looks at it the same way. You know, we can call this thing something new, or we can call it a renegade. And, and people that don't haven't followed Jeep history, which is going to be the majority of the public, uh, they may know enough about it. Like, oh, renegade, I've, I've, I've heard of that somewhere about Jeep, and this is a renegade. So uh, I need to have a look at this. Uh, and really, that's that's really all they want is just to, to get you to look at it. Uh, and if you're not looking at it, you're not interested. It's like the, and I've said this before, it's like the Radio Shack free battery thing. If you, you if people aren't going to come, uh, if you can't get people in the store, they're not going to buy anything. So get them in the store for that freaking free battery. And while they're there, they may spend some money. I think what they should, if they're going to do it right, they should partner with somebody like AEV who built the original Brute with the TJ and maybe call it the Gladiator Brute. I think that would be kind of cool. Uh, I think uh, I think my idea, and I think I mentioned it here on the show. I know I know I told Greg about it. I think that uh, Jeep ought to partner with uh, Greg Henderson, and Greg builds them all. <laughs> <laughs> Personally built and autographed by uh, by Greg Henderson. As long as they give him an electrical engineer to help him. Oh no no! It has to be by it's just just Greg, and then you know <laughs> we we give a hard time about Greg. Should you be on this Zoom meeting? Don't you have gladiators to build or scramblers to build? Aren't truck manufacturers like doing away with a lot of two door trucks in the future? Isn't Ram like not even going to make a two door soon or certain versions of it? Mm-hmm. Well, I can yeah, see that. But yeah, even, but it's a different uh, market. Even on the fleets, even on the fleet vehicles, right? Which because that's that's predominantly been where most of the two doors are still kind of selling is on the fleet yep. side. But you know the the what the JTE wasn't really like a fleet marketed vehicle. But so, let me ask you this: Are people buying JTs as work trucks or as pleasure trucks? Uh, it right? would be. I think it would be to, to drive around in a cool looking vehicle and something that would wheel very well. So yeah, that's yeah, a that's small that's a small amount of the market, and I think those are the ones uh, that there's going to be people, people that spend all that money for brutes, you know, where they did the AEV, AEV conversions on the TJs. How oh, I mean, I'd love to have one of those things, but I can't see you know spending thirty grand on the, the Jeep and then another thirty grand to modify it. Yeah, yeah, I, I need a four doors because I need to put my dogs in the back to go wheeling with me. Yeah, and that's going to be everybody's thing. I need the space, right? So uh, it would be it would be actually kind of cool if they made. I think if they could do anything, kind of, because Toyota is the only one I know that still makes one. Maybe there's someone else, but makes like the extra cab model, yeah. where it's not like a four full doors, but you've just got that extra piece in the back that we can put yeah. your gear and stuff back there. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. That would probably be a that would probably be a better option. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, don't get yeah. me wrong. I mean, Jeep knows what they're doing, and there's a reason why they're not building a two door Gladiator, and and I'm sure they've done the market research and stuff, and yeah. uh, and, and we just think it's cool. I mean, I according to Murphy's Law, the the two door Gladiator was going to come out just right after I bought a four door Gladiator, uh, but uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, having that little extra space. I mean, the last uh, Ford pickup I had, it was a, a club cab, I think, uh, is what it was called, and it there weren't weren't any doors for it, uh, but there was some added room back there, and it made it really nice, like what you were talking about, John. I would much rather have that little bit of extra room to to carry stuff than. Uh, uh, and a passenger instead of uh, just uh, just having um, no room 
Uh, but but I did enjoy my my '83 uh, Chevy four wheel drive pickup that was a, a two door only, and that was really nice. But I just that didn't have any room, and man, I had to put a lot of uh, window tint on that back glass because during the summer that heat on your neck was really bad. Yeah, but then yeah, you got the splinter the window with the beer cans, right? The splinter window, so you just get right into you get really good. You can just get right into the bed of your truck, just kind of throw it right on out. Oh yeah, <laughs> certainly you could put stuff in the back in the bed real easy, and if you drove fast enough, it was self cleaning. <laughs> or you could throw it out the hole in the floorboard. <laughs> yeah, I had one of those. I did have one of those. Yeah, and that's a problem with the unique vehicles like a two door like that is everybody wants one until it comes time to, you know, write the check. Right. And then then nobody is you know you got to select few and then that's about it. Yeah. And that's yeah. where I was going with the fleet vehicle thing. I mean. When you look at the two-door smaller trucks like that, that's where they mainly go, and the the Jeep is just not a fleet type vehicle, right? No, Unless no. you're talking like a fleet and um, like a park ranger or something like that that needs the the off-roading capabilities of the but Jeep, then so then it makes sense. For, you know, what's weird about that is right after the Gladiator came out, there's quite a few of the re- rental agencies. All you see on on the in the parking lot for the rental is gladiators gladiators with soft tops i don't know what it was but for some reason when that came out they all had them a ton of them are you seeing uh broncos now with soft tops no i see them all over the place well not no, in the, no i mean at the rental not, place no not in the rental places yeah that's because broncos can't this? keep uh can't keep the production up right <laughs> let alone for the personal sales let alone for rental cars mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what uh how bronco uh, fares over the next several years you guys seen the new scout website we got to pick up an suv they're electric though <laughs> yeah i saw just saw that just opened yesterday and they got this is a shadow of it you can't really see it but it's coming out in 2026 didn't i think <laughs> didn't volkswagen buy them or something like that yeah volkswagen owns them yeah yeah but it'll be interesting to see what it looks like, I guess, when it does come out. I always like Scout old Scouts, but it won't yeah. be like that, of course. But <laughs> all right, well, let's let's work in this last question here real quick before we wrap up. Um, what tire will you never buy again? And if anybody says the ones I wore out, I'm talking about brands, uh, models, Yokohama, Yokohamas, absolutely. Yep. I had them in my WJ. After you know they came with the Wranglers, Goodyear Wranglers, put the Yokohamas on there because that was on special at a discount tire. Never again. Yeah, they're not very horrendous. The snow. Yeah, they're terrible. <laughs> so what happened? Was it not very many miles or uh, just handling in the in the in the snow? They were not a good all weather tire. Yeah, exactly. Were they? Uh, did they claim to be a good all weather tire? Well, that's what discount tire claim they were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's we'll say uh, Firestone. That was, uh, y'all remember the old debacle with Firestone, <laughs> the Ford Explorer? Yeah, yeah, that I, was uh, Ford Explorer. Yeah. I had a family member that had one of those. that had one of those tires come apart on them and send them into a ditch. And oh, I know they're, they're probably a lot better now, right? But still, Firestone's always had that. that Wasn't that a production problem on the Ford line when they got put on that caused that? I thought it was they were old. I thought the tires were just old. It, it doesn't matter what it was from our point of view. No. It's just, right. The yeah. stigma that follows them now is like, 
that no. Ford Explorer did not like those tires for some reason. I don't know why, but yeah, I, I was never a fan of the uh, Toyo Open Countries. I tried a set of those, and they just really checked up really bad after like five thousand miles. Yeah, especially really the RTs. Gnarly, yeah. My yeah, RT Toyos were great. I got Toyos in my Jeep right now. They're holding up pretty good. Uh, I think they're the all-terrains. But, but uh, I think Jimmy had the Toyo, the same exact ones I had in 35. He had them in, I think, 40 on his Jeep. And they're chunking like crazy. Like he, I didn't even believe it. He pulled up beside and there's just huge pieces of the lug just gone. Hmm. But you had a problem with one of those, didn't you? What's that? You had a problem with one of the five tires, didn't you? What my nittos? I had a, mm -hmm. one of my nittos was out of round those trail grapplers I have now. But you know, other than that one, the rest of them have been doing pretty good so far. Uh, they hook up really good off road, just like my Toyos did. Well, so, is that, that's like a twenty percent fail rate, though. Yeah, but the that was also the one that went halfway around the world on a FedEx truck or something, and. But what could know, they do? That, what could they do to it traveling unless there was some sort of time warp? <laughs> I just, I, honestly, I think that if you bought tires made in that 2020 time frame, you know, it's kind of like anything else that was made in that time frame, right? It's a crapshoot. Hmm, yeah. Interesting. Hit or miss. No, my yeah, tires are made in Atlanta. I know that. Made in the USA. It, it was a Monday, Friday tire. These were yeah. a long time ago. I had a set on my truck. And, uh, yeah, after like 5,000 miles, it was almost every single tread or, uh, like lug on the tire had a good big peak right off the edge of it, all checked up all the way around all four. That'd be a bad taste of ring in your mouth for those, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a shame. And I think sometimes, uh, tires, uh, get a bad rap. And, you know, if you have a bad, uh, a bad time with a manufacturer or, a model uh, that uh, you, it, it takes them off your radar and you will never buy that tire again. And sometimes it's it may not be the tire's fault, uh, but why risk it, especially at the, the cost of, uh, of tires? They're very expensive and you want them to last a, a very long time uh, so you don't have to buy them again. Well, as I was mentioning earlier, we have this uh, roundtable every, we record the roundtable every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Time. You're more than welcome to join in. And uh, don't think that the, just because the uh, the recording ends after an hour, that the roundtable doesn't continue, because it certainly does. Uh, the, the I think sometimes the, uh, the conversation gets a little more exciting because people get a little nervous whenever they know they're being recorded. <laughs> Although we, uh, a lot of the, 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 zoom uh, meeting folks are here every week and i think they're getting a little used to speaking their mind and being recorded at the same time but uh you know you can always come in hang in for the uh for the zoom meeting and then uh, start chiming in after we stop recording and uh, you know feel comfortable but uh we don't uh, we don't give anybody uh, a, a real hard time just a friendly hard time you know like uh, like jeepers do it's uh, like I said, it's every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Central Time. Uh, join us. Sometimes we have a guest where we do a question and answer. Uh, and uh, if you're if you're new to the show, uh, one of our great uh, Q&A's was uh, with uh, Tom Zelinsky of Four Fest Events and uh, Jim Morrison of uh, Jeep.com. So uh, Jim was a was a really uh, great guest to have on, and uh, we'll have to see about getting him back on. I'll, I want to ask him how when that uh, quote 
that uh, he said he was going to put on the Jeep site that I gave him is actually going to show up. <laughs> it was nice of him to say, but I didn't expect it to show up on the Jeep site because, uh, you know, they got people over there that uh, are paid to come up with things to, <laughs> to be on their site. So coming up this Friday, we have an interview with uh, Dennis Wood. And God help me, I want to say Woods every time I, I say that name. Dennis Wood, TerraFlex.com. And uh, if you don't remember who Dennis Wood is, if you go and look at any of the um, YouTube videos or any of the social media things, you'll see Dennis in many of those things. He's quite a character, and we had a, a really good chat uh, and, and some chat about the, the Gladiator and uh, getting more articulation uh, out of the rear of the Gladiator, which I think uh, a lot of the Gladiator uh, listeners out there will be very interested in hearing about. TerraFlex has a, a lot of good stuff, and uh, it's neat. Uh, and, and there's a YouTube video with Dennis driving the, uh, uh, the Gladiator with, uh, with their articulation kit. And my God, I, I have to go back and listen to it, but it seems like he said that you could get a good 12 inches uh, additional articulation out of the rear of the Gladiator just by putting this uh, $150 thing on. Of course, they have a complete kit that uh, will uh, really allow you to get a lot of articulation, and I think it was uh, upwards of uh, 500 But, you know, that's how it is. When you buy more, you get more, uh, hopefully anyway. All right, till next week, uh, join us uh, then. I'm hoping that we're going to have a Q&A with uh, Greg Henderson of Unofficial Use Only. Uh, I will have to uh, contact him and verify that. Uh, that's kind of the plan right now. So uh, next week, uh, November 29th, uh, let's see, is that the is that the recording day? Uh, actually, uh, the 28th will be the recording day. So you might want to join us. Uh, no, I'm sorry, that's right, uh, November 29th. You might want to join us for November 29th. And uh, we're planning on talking about SEMA and the JTE 5050 build that uh, Greg Henderson did, uh, unofficial use only. We talked a little bit about this, uh, I think it was last week on the roundtable, but we're going to devote an entire episode uh, to uh, talking about that and you guys asking questions of, uh, of Greg. Greg's always a great person to have on the, uh, in the Zoom meeting and uh, will be a, an excellent guest on the show. Uh, so until next week, we will see you 8 p.m. Tuesday, Central Time. Be there. Podcasting since 2010.